0: Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio, featuring the crew, where a former pro football player and a D3 All Star use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about anything but. Now here's John and Tex.
1: Hey, welcome to another episode of Power Athlete Radio. We're jumping in with both Heat, and we are going to discuss all things Hammer. For those of you guys that have been living under a rock or in a cage. Or in a cave. (laughs) Who lives in a cage and a cage? Ah, Nobody I know. But if you've been hiding under rocks and you don't know what HAMMER is, HAMMER is one of Power Athletes' flagship programs. The HAMMER is an acronym for Holistic Athlete Movement Readiness Program. And the reason it has this uh, this acronym was uh, as we were designing this program for the U.S. military, we had to have an acronym. Uh, Dave Spanton's like, the program's got to have an acronym. It would be great if we could incorporate "Be the Hammer" into the program, and so I started with "Hammer" as an acronym, and we we started looking at everything to begin with an H, and we worked in, and I had an epiphany: holistic athlete movement movement readiness program, and the hammer was born. Uh, that program was um, created and pushed to the 18th Airborne Corps. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, that went to contracting, ended up not going through because the H2F deal ended up kind of hitting it about the same time. And they ended up going out on a bigger initiative, more so than just the 18th Airborne. And uh, we had that program in our back pocket. And then we were approached by the Texas National Guard mm-hmm. to go into contracting piece to implement power at these systems for the entire Texas National Guard. That went to contracting. And unfortunately, they selected a lesser program that ended up failing in a couple months Well, what
0: didn't fail john Ah, was our ability to then put this out to the public and the world that needs it
1: well we had to we had to push it out because we had we had done so much research and there was so much stuff off uh you know uh, like you know i guess you could say off the table that we were doing we were testing and we were using that the uh, only intelligent thing was to repurpose it and actually push it out to the commercial market so we launched hammer and it's um it's good
0: oh yeah well, let's let's get into it so we understand the holistic athlete movement readiness acronym. But who is this program for? So, so it's not just military individuals.
1: No, I mean it's really anybody that goes in harm's way, mm-hmm. anybody that we consider a door kicker, and that could be uh, firefighter, uh, military, law enforcement, anybody that goes in harm's way, or anybody that's looking for an intelligence and conditioning program that that uh, layers in running. So mm-hmm. there's a, a you know a pretty real running template that I've used for way too long and uh it involves a lot of max effort short distance sprints a lot of what i call easy effort but a re- really like a, a zone to build an aerobic base recovery runs and then a longer run or ruck on a friday where we uh push max intensity and actually push the distance
0: yes and found a way to implement those that still allows you to make gains when we do hit the weight room pretty hard
1: yeah i mean i um uh, a couple months back, I did Craig Douglas's shooting course. And it was it was fun. It was a bunch of combatives. So we've talked about it. And one of the guys that was in the course, uh, we ended up uh, creating a little bit of a friendship. And um, when he ended up leaving, he reached back out and said, hey, man, I'm interested in doing one of your programs. Which one do you recommend? He ended up jumping onto Hammer. And uh, he hits me up every week. And the results are anything other than, I mean, they're phenomenal. Uh, what also helped was the fact that he was eating... Way too many carbs and not enough protein. We switched up his diet, and uh, I mean, he's dude. Like, where you been my whole life? I mean, I think he he pulled three fifteen for five, and then you know, eight weeks later, uh, eight weeks later, pulled three fifty five for five. So I mean, it's got some solid salt strength gains. and sure he been putting on some muscle. So I mean, the program has worked as advertised, and we've tested it for a number of years, so we knew it would work. Yeah, and it's and definitely meeting its uh, its desired game.
0: Yeah, written with our experience and understanding of individuals that have the job and responsibility of getting in harm's way. Now speaking to the program, how can you explain like the the goal and the aim that it's written from? So we not just not just the job and the responsibility of the individual. Now we get into things said principle and then your mindset of writing this specific program for the individual.
1: Um uh, just used a a ton of what we know and what we've learned within standard straight the Additioning So the idea is that I want to be able to build capacity for the ability to be able to run. So, uh, there's a, a, an incredible symbiotic relationship between strength and sprinting. So we have a dedicated sprint day that's usually on our heavy lower X day. Um, we've been pushing, uh, a ton of rep maxes, which are standard within power athletes templates. We use compensator acceleration with our cat movements. And then we do, um, you know, a ton of single legged stuff, but, the, really, the the hard part is to design a strength conditioning program where you're not necessarily biasing one too much over the other. So you're trying to find like the mm-hmm. perfect amount of like, okay, this is how much running we can do and allow people to still get strong. This is the strength that we can do while still are allowing people to have enough capacity to run. And the problem is, you know, uh, like when I talked to uh, uh, one of our Block One coaches, who's um, you know, I think he's a uh, where's Kuchat? He's in
0: Colorado. Well, we won't say exactly, yeah. but let's just say he has a cool-ass job because he yeah, does has, some
1: fun stuff and learn foreign languages. Yeah, he's doing some fun stuff. Uh, Hammer was an excellent program for him, but the problem is, is now he needs to switch over to something more mission-specific, so now he's been doing a lot of like uh, long-distance rucking and realized that he needed to develop that level for his mission requirement. And so we had a good chat about it, and I was like, dude, you can pivot the program Anytime, if you see the need to go up and be able to ratchet something up, you can obviously do it. But you have to remember, you have to keep the scales balanced. So if you're going this way, you're going to have to start pulling stuff off of this side. So really, it's just a balanced program. Mm -hmm. And what's been good is that everybody's been getting stronger and the running has been extremely consistent.
0: And on that, the I mean, that writing it, you also understand the population extremely well through both friends and individuals that you've worked closely with. And it's factoring in a lot of the mistakes that this reckless group, and I, I mean that in the, the, the kindest way possible, like willing to go out and do some reckless stuff to save people. So selfless recklessness, if that's a thing.
1: Uh, you, you know the, uh...
0: But the programming, like they make mistakes on their own bodies and then they have to pay for it, unfortunately, later in their career. So now keep that in mind, like what mistakes are avoided intentionally by educating through sound strength and conditioning programs?
1: Well, so a lot of times everybody wants the the program at Fawn to be like the panacea and wants it to be everything. Mm -hmm. So they try to get everything within the training module and it doesn't work like that. Uh, You have to look at the strength and conditioning program as being an adjunct to people that are already training. So, for example, if you're a wildlife firefighter, right, you're only not just training in the gym. You have training outside of the gym, and so it's a lot like being sports specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the offseason, I lifted weights, but there was always a focus on what I was able to do on the field. So I still continued to have to do all uh, my technique work and my throws and punching and all the stuff that I did on the field. If it was, you know, whether uh, I was doing boxing or fight prep or whatever it looked like, there was still a focus on I was a football player. Mm-hmm. So I think for a lot of guys, and we've seen this within the military community, they just want to go hard in the gym. And they don't realize that there's a sport specific aspect that still needs to be focused on. So the problem is, is if I burn you down and kick you in the dick repeatedly in the training, you know, within the training module, within the confines of the gym, how much are you going to have to be able to go out and do that? And I think it's just really easy to go to the gym, get your work done and not do all that stuff. But uh, I assume that the people that are doing the training and um, the thing which is interesting is even though it's written for one population, there's a ton of people that don't necessarily fit within the confines of how it was developed that are using hammer with great success. So, um, the biggest thing is balancing what I assume is your sport specific training involved in it. Like if you're, you know, using something like hammer and you want to, you know, like, I'll just give you an example. Uh, the other day, um, one of the guys on Jack street, uh, was talking about running, uh, endurance races, like hundred mile races, and he uses Jack street for his strength program and then goes out and runs long. And somebody asked him, why don't you follow Hammer? And he's like, well, I already run a ton. I just need a strength program. I don't need something that's kind of a hybrid mix. Mm-hmm. Perfect application. If you're going to run 100 miles, is Hammer necessarily going to get you ready based upon the running volume to run 100 miles? Probably not. But if you're going to do that, you're probably going to need a ton of volume to be able to go out and effectively do that. And at the end of the day, nobody runs 100 miles. It's more like hiking, walking, run, walk. So it's really just and about...
0: surviving a conditioning PT test. Yeah.
1: So the other big one too, is we've had people follow hammer and uh, we had one guy that said, Hey, you know, um, I still have to do push ups and sit ups. And I feel like my push ups are going down. And my comment is how many days a week are you doing push ups? Well, in hammer, we only do a mixed amount of days. Well, if you have something specific to train for like sit ups and, 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 and uh, uh, pushups, and you know, you're going to be fine on the run or pull ups or whatever it is, you need to incorporate those. Cause I assume that you're doing something within your training you know, paradigm. So I think um, a lot of times, and maybe this comes from like classic bodybuilding where, you know, a bodybuilder, this is what his training is, right? Like he goes to the gym, hits it for two hours, maybe gets a little bit of, you know, cardio at night to try to get in caloric restriction or whatever it looks like. But at the end of the day, like this is the function for individuals that are following these training programs. There's an assumption that you're doing something else outside of the weight room.
0: Yes. Uh, And on top of that, Within our, our, I understand the military as well, there's necessary required PT often led by another individual. And what does that look like? It's that, it's yeah. that individual's bias. Sure. If they enjoy running, they make their crew run. Sure. If they enjoy the, you know, f- functional fitness, you know, squatting for reps and points, then that's what they do. Now, this is an opportunity to include warm ups movement preparation, like holistic athlete movement readiness and intelligently learn something too. If you get that opportunity to lead your PT.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, um, the reason that, uh, the methodology was created, uh, was really about the idea of developing a blueprint for athleticism that you can lay on top of any program. Mm-hmm. And uh, if the program claims to be athletically driven and asking you to do something that involves athleticism, like, uh, You know, I always imagine, you know, a guy coming up on a heavy door, having to kick it in. He needs the strength to be able to kick the door in, but also the capacity to get to the door. Uh, Think about the wildlife firefighter getting dropped in the middle of nowhere and having to go out and combat and work and, you know, survive within that. I mean, that's really the the crowd that we're looking for. But at the end of the day, there has to be something outside, you know, the training. Like I'm assuming that you're doing something that involves, you know, sports specific nature of your training. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, for example, the guy that uh, I met at Craig's course, um, he's a big BJJ guy. Mm-hmm. So, five days a week, he's rolling. I think he – I don't know if he if he has a school or teaches at a school or, you know, has his own deal. and teaches combatives and, um, you know, military guy. So, I mean, he's doing a ton of work outside the gym. The program has to hit it hard, uh, you know, be extremely efficient and be able to drive the results we're looking for, which is what it, what's happening.
0: Now – People that are not on this program, but still in the the harm's way jobs. John, what are some signs of overtraining that they can look for or that they may be experiencing with the programs that they are following that then will avoid with intelligent training that found on Hammer? Um, I think what people do to make up for shitty training
1: programs is they just add volume. (laughs) It's true. It's like uh, if you go to a crappy restaurant, you better be all you can eat.
0: <laughs> right? Like, that, it, 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 man, that John. That's one of the most intelligent things you've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's, uh, and there's, there's
1: so many truths in this fitness space to the point where, like, you almost take, like, a, a fork and stab yourself in the eye. And it's, um, because people recycle shit all the time. You know, I mean, I, I read a book the other day where I was like, man, I felt like I was reading T Nation 2009. I mean, that's really how shitty it was. Um, there's people that instead of trying to provide good information and good training programs, want to just, you know, talk to you about, like, the motivational aspect. And, like, I think that's important. Uh, you know, if I need motivation, I just, you know, John Anderson's my favorite. Book in deep water. You know, that guy will get you pumped up. But at the okay. end of the day, like, no motivate. Like, if you're waking up each morning clicking on Instagram to try to find your local hero to get you motivated, I think it's going to be short-lived life. I think you develop a consistency, a pattern, and you make it a habit that, you know, every day you get up and this is the life you lead. Now, with that said, um, the way that most people make up for shitty programming or not understanding, like, the technical aspect or, more importantly, how to drive adaptation properly, they just keep stacking more on. Mm -hmm. It's like if you got a, uh, you know, small Christmas tree, just keep adding ornaments and eventually it'll look big. I mean, it's the same analogy. If you're going to a cheap restaurant, they better have lots of food. So I think that the the idea that if I don't know what I'm doing, I'm just going to add more, which we learned in the CrossFit deal. Mm -hmm. People didn't know how to program, so they just made it fucking terrible. And all you have to do is add enough volume, enough nasty fucking movements, and eventually you'll get to the point where people will implode. And the problem is is that most of the commercial market, the only receipt they have for whether or not the program was good or not is whether or not they're laying in a puddle of their own sweat feeling like they got their kicked, uh, their dick kicked in. So I think what happens too often with a lot of these military individuals, you have a lot of type A individuals mm-hmm. that the only way that they can really – judge a program is how hard it is and how much volume. And it's almost like the virtue signaling. Like this is how hard I work. This is how much I did. I did a thousand push ups and a thousand pull-ups. In the and this and at the end of the day. Uh, we're not getting medals. Like I didn't get paid in the NFL for the training I did in the weight room. It's not as if all of a sudden I got to the hall of fame because I could bench 500 pounds. I had to be able to transition what I did in the weight room and use it in a meaningful way on the field. Mm-hmm. And I think all too often we just want to kind of judge based upon you know, hey, like this doesn't look that hard. This wasn't what I was looking for. Well, what are you looking for? To get better? To improve? Like if, if, if it's physical, like um, um, there was a real cool study that came out a couple years ago and uh, Alan ergonon Argonon, I'm fucking up his name. He actually posted something about it. I, I got turned on to him through Paul Carter. He's a buddy of Paul's. He kind of went through and just did a, a little deep dive on the research study where they found whatever program allows you to put on muscle when you're training is the same program that you should use when you're trying to diet down in caloric restriction. What got you there is the same one that's going to get you there. And I think all too often we run into people that are like, Oh, I'm doing this in the bulk. And then I'm going to do this for training to try to lean. When in reality, if you look at most bodybuilders, the training doesn't change all that changes is the changes is their, you know, their calories. So, it, you know, in the off season, they're probably eating a certain amount. And then all of a sudden when they get into, you know, trying to get into contest shape. They're trying to do, you know, uh, they're eating a caloric restriction. We've been talking about this for years, high protein diet and caloric restriction is how everybody's gotten shape. So, uh, not that we're looking for body composition on hammer, but all too often,
0: what? uh, two notes on that. Uh, the first one that I want to pull out of this is your skill work outside of hammer. That should be determining whether this program is working for you. And outside of that, the same goes for any other program that you or your teammates are following. If it isn't this, how is your shooting improving? How is everything that your job requires improving? If not, then we need to look at the fundamental training, strength and conditioning that you're following. Two on that, that's that's the point that I'm pulling out from there is this is a performance-based program. And how do we know it's working for you is maybe your bench is improving, et cetera, but how is everything – how is your ability to execute your job improving?
1: Well, I mean, it's uh, it, it's like the guy I was telling you about. Um, you know, Obviously, he's getting stronger. He feels better in body composition. But what I'm really looking for is when you roll in mm-hmm. BJJ and you're rolling in the gym, how are you improving? And when yeah. you tell me, dude, I'm, I'm stronger than I've ever been. I have the best capacity and I'm fucking smashing fools. That, to me, is what I'm searching for. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm always excited. Like, we just uh, did a little testing week on Hammer. And um, – I mean, it's pretty cool to see the numbers that are coming out of it. And you kind of start seeing it even on the end of Jack Street. We did, you know, some single rep clusters. And it's interesting to see guys hitting a four rep cluster of singles, you know, 30 seconds in between each one. at Like anywhere from 93 to 95% of their 1RM, which is pretty phenomenal to be able to hit that. And uh, I think not only being able to see people handle heavy weights, but to see the run times and to see how the conditioning is going. And uh, just seeing people physically improve and then being able to get some real life uh, feedback and say, hey, you know what? Like the training's great, but at the end of the day, the training's just a vehicle to help me do what I'm using it for. Yep. And I think people get so lost in the minutia of this thing where it's like, you know, what training program is going to help you? The one that you're most consistent. When we looked at all of the data on Trade Heroic over the years, the people that consistently followed the program, regardless of the program, were the ones that reached their goals. And when you ask like what their goals are, we have a ton of people that we are in contact with, and I know exactly what their goals are and the people that are able to reach it. I mean, you look at people on field whatever, I mean, whatever their intended use is, the program meets their demands. It's why thousands of people follow it. Mm-hmm. It's not because we have some really jiggy, cool marketing or, you know, there's like the programs work and they have always worked.
0: Now balancing aesthetics. I'm not mad at that. I understand no. the well, population in which uh, are taking this. So when, <laughs> one
1: time uh, recently uh, I did a consult for a guy. And uh, he made a funny point to me. He's like, you know, I bust my ass in the gym and I train. I just want to look like I do this stuff. And I was like, you don't look like you do this stuff. And he's like, oddly enough, I just kind of look like a big kind of just doughy dude. And he goes, I'm real strong on this, but I'd like to walk in somewhere and have people like know that I do this stuff. And I was like, yo, man, this is a function of diet. You know, it's a function of sleep, diet recovery. I mean, there's some other things we could check if we want to dive into blood work and look at hormones, whatever. Came to, you know, came to the conclusion that he was good five days a week and fucking grenaded his diet on Saturday and Sunday with, uh, you know, drinking too much, eating too much. And I'm like, you know, it's real easy. If you're, you know, in a three to 500 calorie um, uh, deficit over the course, you know, every day and you go out and you kill your diet, I mean, by 7,000 calories on the weekends, like, like it's not magic. It's, you know, to quote Louis Simmons, it's mathematics. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at it like, hey, if you're, Basic caloric need is 3,000 calories over seven days. You're at 21,000 calories and you're in a three to 500 calorie deficit over the course of five days. You know, I mean, it's really only 1,500 calories. And you go out and you eat 7,000 calories on a Saturday and Sunday and you wonder why you're gaining weight or more importantly, you're looking fluffy. You don't look like you do this stuff. I mean, there's a reason that the dudes, uh, that if you ever go back and you look at, um, who's, uh, who's your guy from the, uh, uh Gerard Butler? Fuck. Yeah. He, uh, I'm look, all in. I know you're a big Jared Butler fan. But did you ever see any of the uh uh
0: any of the, Anything. I celebrate his uh, entire collection, Charles. Did
1: you go back and listen to any of the historical kind of like him talking about the movie 300 and what they did and and Mark uh, Mark Twight in the training? Do they underfed those guys like a motherfucker? They would like post-workout give them an apple. They wanted those dudes to look lean. They wanted them to look like they were living off the land. Uh, they you know, they trained those dudes for months. Nine months they trained those dudes to look a certain way. I mean, there's probably a fairly decent amount of performance-enhancing drugs involved in it, which is totally fine. GB? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a little birdie told me he was having some <laughs> elbow issues, that, and he had to go in there and work with him a little bit. And he equated it to that. So, I mean, but, uh, and then you got a little movie magic on top of it. Don't get me wrong, dude. When I saw the movie 300, like that movie completely broke the internet in terms of fitness and training. I mean, it did. It completely changed the direction. I mean, if, if the movie 300 happens, CrossFit, I mean, you see the movie 300, the launch of Facebook and everything. I mean, CrossFit doesn't hit what they, what they do without it. So, but I mean, if you look like they legitimately starve those dudes into that type of shape. I mean, it's – you know, I mean, you. that's why when we were at the uh, – we're going to the Olympia, but when we were at the – no, we were at the – We were at the Olympia. We were at the we're Olympia. At the, Arnold, Arnold. the one thing that struck me as we were standing next to all those competitors, they just looked so hungry. Mm-hmm. And they were all
0: like – So, reminding our folks, this is a performance-based diet, and they can still follow – program a, or diet? Program, but they can still follow an appropriate diet to gain aesthetics – and still reach their performance numbers. Yeah, I mean the the programming doesn't change, and I think that's what I was talking about earlier. Uh, whatever program
1: helped you put on muscle and get you into shape, is the same program that's going to get you lean and shredded. All that happens is you hit up the nutrition ninjas, you get Robin Sam, you you lock into that. You know uh, our Hammer ninety started today.
0: Oh, wow. I know. I oh, took I know.
1: photos know. of myself. I did too. So we, we have an internal challenge that we're doing here at power athlete and we like to do these things before we launch them on the world, but we <laughs> want to do like a 90 day challenge and we're calling it hammer 90. So we've been, we started today. And then when we finish, we'll kind of figure out some, some tweaks we'll make and we'll launch it on the rest of the world. But, uh, it's going to be pretty good. And the biggest one is you got to select a program and you got to select a, a diet and there's a couple other things you got to flow through. But if you're looking to improve your aesthetics, you're going to have to force yourself to be hungry a little bit
0: or train into that caloric restriction. You mm-hmm. can either eat less or work more. All right. So let's sum it all up. How would people get the best out of the hammer program John?
1: I think the best way to start it is just like start slow. So what happens I think all too often is people jump in and like, it's one of the, the hard parts about the way that we deliver training on the train heroic is we do team training which means that uh, you know you show up, you log in, you might be in the middle of a cycle, you might be on the first day, you might even show up on the last day. Like I saw a guy today who joined on Jack Street said today's my first day and he's like, I mean, today's what, Tuesday on week six of uh, the clusters? I mean, like, it, like you're at the end of this cycle and my only comment was like just kind of train, don't kill yourself today, we're going to hit a reload and then you know in two weeks we're going to be ramped up and you're going to be right where you need to be. So I think for most people, you jump into hammer, start slow, start conservative, give yourself room to grow. I think everybody goes in and they want to push so hard from day one. I usually like to take two weeks to kind of get acclimated. So when I go into something, I kind of want to like not sandbag it a little bit, but I want to kind of get to lay of the land, understand the rotation, uh, you know, how the timing works on everything. Like, hey, if I um, if I'm training at the gym and I got to run, you know, if there's sprints, am I running on a treadmill? Am I going to the park? Like, what am I doing? Um, You know, so really understanding the flow. And it usually takes me about two weeks to get acclimated to something. So I think start slow, understand the flow. uh, And at the end of the day, I would much rather have you ease into it and then hit the ground running than just fucking go all in and just smash yourself where you're so sore the first day you can't train on the second. Um, The way that it's programmed is on day one. Um, Obviously, it's our big heavy hinge day, but it's also our sprint day. I found that sprinting before we run puts us in the best chance. Mm -hmm. And and if you look at programming with economy of time, uh, really Friday where we do a kind of a longer run or a heavy ruck or something and really burn it down, that's the day that i got to kind of give you the most. So everything's kind of tapering. Yeah, to recover. Kind of tapering for that. So the sprints are on Monday, heavy hinge on a Wednesday. Uh, We're going to pull on a Tuesday. And even though people lose their minds a little bit on it, I'm like, where else do we put put the pull in? I can't ask you to sprint, hinge, and pull. So normally what will happen is we'll sprint hinge. Uh, there'll be a little bit capacity work. We pull heavy and then we'll do EE runs, uh, which are, are basically building our big aerobic base on Wednesday, on, uh, on Wednesday with mm-hmm. a ton of trunk and a lot of rotation. Um, I'm big on that trunk work. There's a bunch of hip flexor, a bunch of adductor. It's all that little stuff with the rotation and transverse plane, all the things that normally people don't want to do in their training program gets in a dedicated day on Wednesday.
0: I don't know if they don't want to, John. I think it's a matter of not necessarily understanding Ah, uh, the need.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and it's also a bunch of stuff that most people would never program. Right. So when people look at the Wednesdays and the way I kind of set this stuff up, uh, they're always like, man, this stuff is, you know, it's dynamite. Like we're, you know, we're dead bugs or rotations, we're thoracic mobility. Uh, it's just working that trunk in new and interesting ways. Um, I do use a lot of kettlebells. I like swings because that task specific tension and the ability to generate force, the on off and, uh, then we come back on Thursday. Uh, we usually do our compensatory acceleration work and our speed work, and uh, maybe a little heavier on the on the upper body push. Then we roll into Friday, and there's a, there's a usually a dynamic warm up, and then we'll burn it down with something longer in terms of run or ruck. And then Saturday's kind of my cleanup day, where I try to hit everything and have a little bit of conditioning, a little bit of fun, and just kind of just everything that I, I couldn't get to during the week, I kind of put in on a Saturday. It's kind of just a, a fun day. We hit arms and do a little bit of bodybuilding, a little bit of trunk work, and uh, just give people a little bit of conditioning. So if I was going to pick a day, if I wanted to train, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is kind of a gimme. If you mm-hmm. want to do it, you can. If you if you don't, and you don't want to train on the weekends. Or we've also had people not train Saturday, push their run to a Saturday and give themselves an extra day. So uh, it's even though the program's written, you can – Kind of change it up a little bit. All we have people do is jump in the feeds and say, hey, how do I make little adjustments? Or I'm uh-huh. more than happy to add the adjustments. And
0: final question for you. Where would be the optimal day to say add in a skill work day? So they got to go to the range or they got to hit their combat sports? i uh, usually be on a Saturday. Okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, if you wanted to uh, do it on a Wednesday or a Saturday, you should be pretty good or a Sunday. So, I mean, it, but at the end of the day, um, the goal is to have you be more efficient at whatever you're using the training for. So if that's Brazilian jiu-jitsu, if that's, uh, if that's shooting, if that's combative, if that's swinging an axe, if that's uh, you know hiking up mountains, whatever it is, the program has to work in conjunction with the need. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're so fucking smashed that you physically cannot do what you showed up to do the training, which is what we ran into all the time with CrossFit, where people showed up to CrossFit to get in shape for something, and the problem is you end up getting set on fire every single day and didn't have the capacity to do your job.
0: Well, this is also a hole that uh, our pal, Dr. Kirk Parsley, has explained the the experience with his military folks. Like I work hard and all of a sudden I start to sleep less or my performance goes down and there's an internal mindset of, crap, I have to do more. So then what do you cut out? Sleep. I got to wake up earlier to get more work in. It's just a cyclical thing where it starts to take your performance well, down the drain.
1: Yeah, you got a whole bunch of people just trying to wake up before jocko so when jocko pours uh you know (laughs) shoots his picture at 4 30 i mean how many people are up and they're like i got you jocko i mean that's a very real deal uh when i wake up and i see jocko post that i'm like good thing i didn't wake up until 6 a.m i'm so happy i got that extra hour and a half i mean i like there's there's some real um you know i mean there's definitely something about waking up early to get your work done Um, you know, for me, the most meaningful time for me and why I like lifting weights first thing in the morning is because I find that as the day goes on, more and more volume gets added. Uh, When a first thing, you know, like you carve that time out. So whether or not you train first thing in the morning at lunch or whatever, make that like your church time, Mm -hmm. like make that untouchable. Like, uh, you know, if I, and and I I do train at lunch sometimes. Um, I do like to train at lunch a lot, but I find you know, we have podcasts, I got meetings, we got a whole bunch of different stuff to do. So sometimes the easiest way is, you know, wake up at 6, get everything done, be out the door by 6.45, be at the gym, get it in, get done by 8, you know, and then get on with the rest of the day. And at least then I feel like I accomplished that. So I don't think you have to wake up at 4.30 in the morning, though, unless it's the only time you got.
0: Unless you do. Unless you do. All right. Well, if you're new to Hammer, throw your hands up in the feeds, let us know where you are, and maybe there's some locals Following the same program, you can get a little buddy system going.
1: Yeah, we got a good crew. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of guys that have been following it. People are extremely helpful. And uh, we're on there constantly. So if you got questions on the feed or, you know, how to skin this, I mean, the other day, hey, what if I got to go longer? Great. You know what? These the the program is written in such a way that there's a good balance. Now, if you need to bias and go longer on one side, that's fine, but you're gonna lose something on the strength side. But that's totally acceptable because it's not like gonna be that forever. Or if it is, you know, we just mitigate it. So I think, uh, just understanding your expectation, being very real about how you're using it, the demand, and then at the end of the day, just giving yourself a chance to be successful. I think a lot of times people don't put themselves in the best chance to be successful and they end up kind of losing out. So just give yourself a chance to win.
0: And that is another episode of the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. If they want to give hammer a seven day free trial, John, where should they go?
1: The easiest way is to go to PowerAthleteHQ slash
0: mm-hmm. Hammer,
1: H-A-M-R. And that'll take you right to where you need to go.
0: Mm-hmm. And if you follow it, tag us at PowerAthleteHQ.com. Hashtag H-A-M-R. Mm-hmm. Can't be a lot of other acronyms like that. No,
1: no, no It's we're, too weird.
0: I, I think we own it. I think we own that that hashtag. All right. Send it. Thank you, John, for, uh, I mean, joining me for power athlete radio wait um
1: well thanks for having me as a guest on power Athletic again radio. i love being guest on power <laughs> radio, the premier podcast friend of the podcast the premier podcast and strength and conditioning in, oh shit oh, my bad you did it ing ing
0: that's in? 2022
1: yeah yeah no well it's no that's like 2018 2017
0: wasn't it uh my bad yeah we're going
1: so cool
0: peace out Bye. now it's time for you to empower your performance